Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Megan is getting more attention than Kate because she's more controversial, because she's American, because she's different, because she's got a complex family. I think they have more mutual interests than perhaps other women that have come into the royal family. I think it's important to illustrate that Megan doesn't have the support that Kate does. Hi there, and welcome to New Idea Royals. It's the only podcast that reveals what really goes on behind palace doors. I'm Zoe Burrell, and today we will be talking all about Megan's birthday, Harry's surprise beauty regime, and Samantha Markle's cruel words. Joining us today to share her amazing knowledge is royal expert and commentator Angela Mollard. Hi, Zoe. Hi, Ange. How are you doing? Good, thank you. More royal news this week. We never have a dull week, do we? No, we don't. It never ends, but that's what we love about them. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, we'll begin with Megan's birthday. She celebrated her 38th birthday earlier this week. What can you tell us about it? Well, not a lot, actually, Zoe, because she's been uh, uncharacteristically quiet about it. I think this is very deliberate. I think that the baby shower and all the grandiose plans around that meant she was hugely criticised for it. This is her 38th birthday. She's just had a baby. Look, what did happen was uh, Harry put a message on Instagram saying, um, happy birthday to my amazing wife. I love going through this adventure you know, through it with you, uh, Love H, which was a very sweet, simple message and a lovely picture of her in a blue dress from Fiji. Uh, can't read a lot into that. It's, you know, he, it, they say how, they say happy birthday to everybody on um, Instagram. I mean, it's a beast they have to keep feeding. <laughs> Likewise, um, Kate and William also had to, um, of course, put up a message of because course. you can't put, you know, when, when the Sussexes have uh, congratulated your children, i.e. The, the, the Cambridge children on their birthdays. Of course, you have to then reciprocate. There's been a lot of criticism, though, about the photograph that Kate decided or William or whoever or some, you know, <laughs> many in down the PR list in the in uh, Kensington Palace decided to post. Now, it was a picture from Christmas of the four of them together when they are laughing and smiling. And a lovely message of happy birthday to the Duchess of Sussex. People have become outraged about this because it's not just a picture of Meghan. But it would be more weird, I think, if they did post just a picture of Meghan. What is interesting is that it's an old photograph. I mean, we haven't got a new up-to-date picture of the oh, four of them I together. I think about you know, it's that. Christmas and we're now in <laughs> August. Have they not really had any, you know... Normal people would post a picture of a Sunday night barbecue where they've all got a gin and tonic and they're laughing out <laughs> uproariously and say, happy birthday, sis, wouldn't they? But it suggests, I think, that they possibly don't get together that much. I think that, um, look, I think it was an appropriate picture. It, there was the four of them in it. I don't know why they're getting so criticised for it. As I say, I would have loved to have seen something a little bit more impromptu and spontaneous and something from behind the scenes. I mean, Kate's a great photographer. We know that. We would have thought that she'd take pictures together with the four of them. But, you know, maybe not. Maybe they don't see each other that much and hence the reason why. I know. It is really interesting, isn't it, that they chose to do that? I think 
think it's really nice. Look, I forget to send messages to my brothers when it's their birthday. So any sibling that gets into their 30s and still remembers needs to be congratulated, I think. Uh, And of course, though, speaking of Meghan, one royal commentator has said that the Queen has made what he calls an unusual effort to welcome Meghan into the family. What do you think about that? Yes, I think this is interesting, and I think she probably has. The reason being is that Meghan wasn't English. She wasn't like Diana, and we know that Diana, obviously, it was a very quickly established relationship with Charles. Kate, of course, had years and years with William. She shared that time at university. They then spent um, more than a decade together before they became engaged. So Kate had a very slow immersion into the royal family. She got to know the Queen. She got to know the way the system works, the protocols and the processes. She also was English, so she had grown up with the royal family. She knew what they stood for, what they meant, what duty was about, uh, how to be discreet, uh, integrity, those sorts of things. I'm not saying Meghan doesn't know how to be discreet or, or to have integrity, but she didn't know the British system. Well, I mean, the Americans, they obviously know of the royals, but they don't have that huge concept of what being a royal entails, do they? They wouldn't see it like... They would see it as crowns and castles. Mm. They wouldn't see it as work within the Commonwealth. They wouldn't see all the duty that goes on. They wouldn't understand someone like Princess Anne, who does more royal engagements than anyone else in the royal family, a lot of it um, under the radar. So I think the commentator, um, Duncan Larkham, is probably correct. I think the Queen would have gone to great lengths. Remember, she's come from a position where there was a lot of unrest in the royal family. She had her, there was a lot of bitching and infighting between courtiers and the royals themselves. The whole system was not working when the relationships broke down between Andrew and Fergie and Diana and Charles. There was a lot of backbiting. She's now emerged from those uh, difficult years and she's got a reasonably harmonious royal family where people don't turn to the media to disclose their personal details. I mean, people within her family, they're much more turning inward. They're marrying later. They're making good marital choices. Zara Tyndall and Mike Tyndall, great relationship. I love them. They're great. They are, aren't they? <laughs> and, and Edward and Sophie Wessex, you know, wonderfully uh, stable couple. And I think the Queen knows that this is a very important part of the longevity of the royal family going forward, that the unrest caused by those years through the 90s was so very difficult and so damaging to the brand that is the royal family. So why would the Queen not invest in her new daughter-in-law? She knows and has now seen what it is to have global attention on a member of the family. No one had had that level of attention before Diana. And we know now Meghan is getting more attention than Kate because she's more controversial, because she's American, because she's different, because she's got a complex family. It means there's more attention on her. I imagine that Queen has made her feel very welcome. The Queen is a highly intelligent woman, as is Meghan. They're both interested in world issues. They have great knowledge. Meghan, I think, is the sort of woman that would be very good at asking questions, you know, really interesting questions. I would imagine she would ask the Queen what it's like to speak with prime ministers. What about the work that she's doing environmentally? I think she's the sort that would talk to the Queen about the fact that she's no longer having using straws in Buckingham Palace and what other things can be done on the world stage in terms of uh, sustainability and that sort of thing. I think they have more mutual interests than perhaps other women that have come into the royal family. I think the Queen would, as I say, commend her intelligence, commend her sense of duty. I mean, if Meghan's getting up at five o'clock in the morning, that's because she wants to do a good job. And the Queen, as we know, has always wanted to do a good job. 
I think she has pulled her close. I wouldn't be surprised if there are phone calls. Um, who knows if the Queen texts, but I think there would be a lot of support. And also remember, there's that vital other thing that binds them. They both love dogs. So remember when she first met the Queen, as Harry said, the corgis have sniffed at him and sort of yapped at him for years. And the Queen's corgis sat on Meghan's lap, were completely happy. I think <laughs> at her feet. I can't remember whether it was lap or feet. But they have that shared genuine interest in dogs. And we know, you know, in a difficult situation like that where you've got tremendous years of history and hierarchy, to have a connection over something as sort of elemental and profound as animals I think is a, is a very soldering thing for their relationship. Well, I, I think, think it's very important too with dog lovers. Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> if you like their dogs, it, you're in. <laughs> that's exactly right. So I imagine they're really close um, and that without – a mum close by, which she doesn't have, with an estranged dad, I think the Queen is now wise enough in her 90s to know where support might be. To be honest, I think she's also probably put the time and energy into it because she would always want Megan to turn to her first before she would turn outwards, uh, you know, to the media, to talking necessarily to her friends. If she had a problem with the royal system and the way that it worked, if the Queen has established a good relationship with her, Megan is far more likely to turn to her if she is struggling, if there are difficulties, if there's things she's not certain about. So I think it's uh, very smart of the Queen to have drawn her close and to have established a relationship like that. Yeah, I think you're exactly right with that. It's such a good idea of the Queen. And I love to kind of think of them calling and having tea. And- I know. I, I imagine, though, that uh, that Megan's got a, you know, she, I, I reckon they meet up for tea and Megan says, well, I know you like your English breakfast, but how about trying this um, hemp and um, <laughs> and ginger and chamomile version? <laughs> and, you know, I, you can't imagine Megan having, you know, buy it from Woolies tea bags, can you? No. They, they would be steeped with lemongrass growing in her own garden and um, ginger that she had uh, cultivated from a cutting from a friend or something like that. I, I just think she does everything brilliantly from the way she handwrites to the way she dresses to the way I imagine she's got one of those gardens that just has like flowers constantly blooming around it. Oh, whereas anyway, I can't keep something alive. No. <laughs> I know. Oh no, she, she would keep things alive and if she didn't she now has staff to do it for her. Exactly. That's what I'm missing. Yeah. And now, of course, I love this story and I'm sure you do too, but we've heard about Prince Harry's pampering session. I know. This is the guy that was nude in, you know, Las Vegas wearing the Nazi uniform and now he likes nothing better than da-da-da-da. A pedicure. Who would have thought? Apparently, Megan's got him onto these pedicures. There's a country house hotel that has a spa near where they live um, in Ascot. And they go along. There's a little cottage on the spa uh, facilities where there's sort of two two treatment rooms. They like to use the same therapists. And if a new therapist comes on board, that person has to be trained. But they go there for pedicures. They go for manicures, massages. Apparently, Harry likes having a massage because of his polo injuries. Um, oh, okay. He has a bit of tension in his back and that sort of thing. They often take their dogs. They've been known to take Archie. Oh, wow. Uh, Do the dogs get pampered as yeah. well? Oh, you, you've got to wonder, <laughs> don't you? I know. Anyway, they turn up there and Harry sits back and has his 50-pound pedicure. So that's $100. So clearly, they have the money to throw around. And, but look, you know, I think that's a good thing. There's plenty of opportunities. Well, there's plenty of times where they have to take their shoes off so you want to look your best don't you remember when they were in Australia they were on the beach oh of course you can't have manky toes when you're a royal (laughs) no well I'll be keeping a closer eye on them now (laughs) (laughs) 
check out his pedicure. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> I think it's good. They do they work hard and you know, they can afford it. Um, I know, I wish but I can could imagine, do that. Can you imagine though? Imagine if you're the therapist doing it. You would be so nervous, wouldn't you? I was thinking about this <laughs> poor beauty school student who's trained for a few years and now she's got this great job. What do you, you know how, you, whenever you have a manicure or a pedicure, you always chat, don't you? Chat about the weather, your kids. You'd be so nervous about what to chat to Harry about while he's <laughs> lying back on his massage chair and you've got his feet in a bowl of warm, soapy water. <laughs> What would you talk about? You'd have to. That's why they take the dogs, obviously, because you have to have some, something oh, to talk be. about. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Wouldn't it be amazing though if you ha- if you had them sitting in the chair, having them their you know twin uh, pedicures with little baby Archie there? Wouldn't that oh, make a great so picture? Cute. And I just want to hold the bub. I know. I yeah, exactly. I know. <laughs> anyway, lucky that therapist. I wonder if they tip. You know, tipping is a big thing in Europe. I. I reckon you'd get good tips if you were a, a pedicure therapist to His Royal Highness, the Duke of Sussex. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> and again, speaking of Meghan and Harry, Samantha Markle has spoken out again. feel like she never stops talking. <laughs> she doesn't, does she? She's got relevancy deprivation syndrome, this woman. She sort of oscillates between saying oh, my poor sister and I really want to have a relationship with her and she's so special and, you know, this is important that we're a family, to absolutely haranguing her. Yeah. And, and this, this one, one, what do you reckon? This one's been quite bitter, this hasn't it? This DEFCON 5 yeah. in terms of uh, toxic. <laughs> she has gone off the planet with this. Mm. So shall I share some of the yes. lovely things that she said about her sister? Well, let's make it. Uh, half-sister, obviously. They share mm. a dad but not a mum. So the lovely Samantha has come out and blasted Megan as callous, shameful and a disgrace to the Markle family name. I would consider perhaps she might be uh, looking in a mirror when she makes those <laughs> comments, um, that she treated their dad uh, appallingly and that she had um, – uh, she, that she felt sorry for baby Archie having a mother like Megan, which is terrible, and that she hopes Archie turns on Megan just as Megan has turned on their father when he grows up. It's just awful, isn't how it? How cruel, how nasty, how unnecessary. Look, I hesitated today about actually talking about this story because I feel that the more airtime we give Samantha, the more she talks. But I think when you've got – uh a public that are ready to critique Megan at every opportunity. And when she says things like, it's not easy, when she said to Pharrell Williams, when he congratulated her on her marriage with Harry, uh, and she sort of very quietly, but it was picked up, she said, they don't make it easy. We don't know if she was talking about the media, whether she was talking about the public, whether she was talking about other members of the royal family. We don't know if she's talking about her own family, but certainly Samantha Markle doesn't make it easy for her. And I think that to the reason and the and the justification for talking about her is to show that she doesn't have close family on her side. She cannot retreat like Kate can to Buckinghamshire in the in the warmth of her family where she can bring her children knowing they will be safe with her mum and dad, where she has an incredibly supportive brother and sister who have never put a step wrong, never said anything that's uh, impugned her, either their sister or the royal family. I think it's important to illustrate that Megan doesn't have the support that Kate does and another reason why we have to be very careful uh, about the criticism of her. I know it's just so sad though to have oh, these comments come out. It's it's she's she's a toxic person, um deeply unkind and look, you know, 
I do hope that Megan reconciles with her dad. I think Doria is, as I've said before, the key to that. I I, I don't like families that, well, you know, I understand families, plenty of them are broken and have issues. I hope that there can be some reconciliation for Megan's sake mostly, not necessarily for Thomas, but but for her sake so that there can be that sense of peace and acceptance that you have. I mean, lots of parents are flawed. You know, Philip Larkin wrote that fabulous poem about it, which we probably can't quote since it's got an expletive in it. But, you know, they do, there is the naughty word, stuff you up your mum and dad. And um, I think if Megan got to a point of acceptance, it doesn't mean she has to agree with the way that Thomas has acted and operated. But I think there would be a, a restored calmness which would help matters and would certainly shut Samantha up. Mm. Wouldn't it just? Well, who knows? Goodness knows. Actually, oh, if Megan exactly. met up with Thomas, then then he would possibly tell Samantha, and then she would bleat and blurb that. So it's just a hideous, vicious situation, isn't it? But yeah, it's just such such a tough spot for her to be in. She is. She, she's damned if she does, and damned if she doesn't. Mm. Unfortunately. Uh, and finally, moving on to something a bit more upbeat. <laughs> after that. We've heard that you can live next to the Cambridges. I know, this is really exciting. So the cottage at the end of the lane in Norfolk where Kate and William and their family have their country home, and Hall, which the Queen gifted to them when they got married, where they spend a lot of time, where their last Christmas pictures were photographed. Um, that little village of Anma, at the end of the lane, there's a little cottage at the end of a terrace. It's up for rental. It's actually on the royal estate, so the royal's... Uh, will be vetting the t- potential tenants, and they made a point. <laughs> sure. They made a point of saying it's not a first in first, uh, first in first serve. It will be vetted as a, you know who would suit the community. There's only 23 houses in Anmer and only 69 residents, but they have a thriving bowls club. They have <laughs> quiz nights. The only trouble with the cottage apparently is that it has lots of steep steps. You can have a dog, but possibly not cats. They don't think it's well suited oh. to cats. But how interesting, it's right at the end of the driveway. So if you did end up renting this place, which is £700 a month, so $1,400, so not not horribly unaffordable, um, you would you could basically sort of have a picnic on your front lawn and be assured of seeing the Cambridges coming and going. Perhaps, you know, Kate on a nature walk, you know, pointing out frogs and things with her children. I think it would be a rather lovely place to live. And also, Norfolk is a beautiful county in England. So interesting that they have multiple properties, the royals, and every so often, obviously, those tenancies come up. I would imagine, though, they're going to go for a middle-aged old couple who won't cause anybody any bother, (laughs) possibly with a dog. (laughs) Well, I think that's a smart decision. (laughs) I think so, too. You don't really want uh, 18, 19-year-olds with huge parties at the end of your lane, do you? Especially not with three young kids. No, exactly. (laughs) Anyway, your opportunity, if you live in England or are going there or want to stay there for a few months, check out the cottage called Cherry, I think Cherry Tree um, at the end of the lane at Anmore Hall. Doesn't it all just sound idyllic? And of course, if you're new in the neighbourhood, of course, Kate will have to pop round with a batch of scones, (laughs) wouldn't she? I do like that. Or maybe you'll have to go over there and knock on the door. Yeah. <laughs> yes, around for yes a cup of tea. exactly. <laughs> I know. I wonder if that does happen. I doubt it. <laughs> I hope it does. They would send a note, <laughs> wouldn't they? Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the neighbourhood. Here's a scone baked by the kitchen. <laughs> and unfortunately, that brings us to the end of the podcast for today. But thank you so much for joining us, Ange. It's a pleasure, Zoe. <laughs> and thank you to everyone for listening. 
For more on the Royals, please go to newidea.com.au or our Facebook page, New Idea Royals. And of course, don't forget to pick up the latest issue of the New Idea Royals Monthly on sale Thursday. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.